You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. If you love hunting, fishing, or just like to be outside, Go Wild is the social media destination for you. You can download this app directly to your smartphone or mobile device just by visiting and searching in the Google Play Store. You can also visit timetogowild.com for more information. It's time to get outside and go wild. You're listening to the Land and Legacy Hunting Strategies Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are right in the heart of... Holiday season. Holiday season <laughs> and muzzleloader season. Yes, we are. Uh, or alternative firearm season, I think. Or alternative season. I guess it's not even firearms. It's just alternative. We don't even know what you call it these days. There's a label for everything. It used to be called... <laughs> it was just called muzzleloader season. Yeah. And... But now with pistols and yeah, you can do uh, pistols. There's a couple, th- I, I, a couple I, exceptions to some to some yeah. firearms, I think. And so, not in like uh, maybe if I don't know, I don't quote me on this. Sort of like forty-five seventies or something like That's that. That's in other states. I, I did look it up because someone asked me the other day. Zach Shermer, who's been on the podcast before, asked me yep. the other day. He's got a uh, different rifle caliber. That that's. Uh, larger bore basically yeah caliber and he was asking i was like honestly i don't i know in iowa you can in in other states but i'm not sure about missouri and i checked it and i said i didn't see anything that allowed you to do that in missouri but when in doubt call the game warden in in the area you're gonna be hunting he's gonna know for sure um i said i'd hate to steer you wrong or let you out on an opportunity but the way i interpret it here in missouri you cannot do that but regardless you know smoke poles in the hand and uh kind of gets on out there extends the range a little bit and um it's a fun time to hunt it's a whole different setup it kind of goes back to uh, like an early season if you will setup, just straight bedding food patterns yeah. yeah um which is okay it's a different type of hunting i don't mind it i it's a lot of strategy it's a lot of planning that's what we like a lot of strategy, a lot of planning, and a lot but of stuff isn't? you can it, – it, like, it's unlike the rut. The rut is one of those, like, you can strategize, you can plan, you can do all this stuff you want, and guess what? They chase a doe over on the neighbor uh, into an area of fescue pasture and get shot, and it's like all planning was thrown in the trash. It can be, for sure. For That's sure. why late season is so much fun, because you kind of, I mean, b- the bedding's in place. Yep. 
are somewhat in place. The Prairie Hollow property we'll say, we'll say still in, <laughs> in transition. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it'll ever be where we want it to be, but um, we've got that. Um, but then also we have the food. Yeah. And and we've noticed that we've had kind of an un, a, a unique year, a unique last couple of weeks. We got really, really cold yeah, uh, the we weekend cold. that uh, actually when I, we were in the hospital with our, our daughter being born. It was really it was cold. Yep. And then it warmed up. And now it's like 50s. Yeah, today was 45. Yesterday was 55. It's getting down to last night was 32. Tonight it's getting down to 30. And and it's like, I, I, you know, it's, it's December time frame. It's late season. But it sure doesn't feel like... Like it should, or like like we all honestly want. I would love to see temperatures, like we talked about a couple podcasts ago, down in the uh, the high twenties, yep, low thirties as a high, and then down in the teens at night. That would really get some deer moving, for sure. And I mean, we've got a two and a half acre field of standing strat and soybeans, and it's full of pods. I sat over it tonight with. Keith Hammer from Stratton Seed, full of pods. Really, it's like how's the greens look beneath them? It's gotten a little, a little uh, heavy hit, frost. Hit with frost just because it's in that bottom. Yeah, um, but really, there's I can see bulbs, turnip bulbs out there. Wheat was looking pretty good. Um, a lot of crimson clover mixed in with it too. So it's looking pretty good. Huh. Good plenty, deal. Plenty, plenty enough to eat on. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, when I say plenty enough, like it's. Really good in comparison to some food plot stuff I've seen, like on social media. I'm not trying to put anyone down or anything. I'm just saying, like you know, in a comparison scale, some of, some plots right now are are already looking rough, but we haven't had the pressure yet, which leads us into really the conversation. Red oak acorns. Yeah. Oh man, we had we had white oak acorns like crazy early this year, and we're back to fighting acorns again. That's right. Uh, that and, and, not, and, and not just it's free food man it's free food I but it sure <clears throat> spreads them out so that Ooh, it does that changes the pattern to we're mild temperatures so they're still going to eat acorns oh yeah and oh, yeah. um and so like for example <clears throat> they're eating some greens and food plots but very yep. inconsistent and then they're also eating the red oak acorns so two main food sources there Plus the browse because um, flowering dogwoods and a couple oh, of other understory trees popped right the now. The buds are oh. popped, and you know they're eating them where they can reach yeah. them. Oh, yeah. And so winter where browse. We've done the TSI. Winter browse, food plots, greens. Yep. Uh, so that includes clovers because we are warm enough. Clovers, even in pastures, are still fine. Uh, and then you have your red oak acres. So there's multiple food sources. Tons. But there's really winter bedding. That That is a, a key right now because of, especially in this area, you know, every area is different. Every area experiences, you know, different temperatures. Maybe you're super cold in, in your given area. But right now, this is what we're experiencing. So a, as a default of that, you know, what we can do is try and key things down. It's kind of a – you got all those food sources, and you're trying to figure out which one's the best, but then – Really, um, we have our key bedding areas. And, and that's where it comes down to identifying the limited resource every single time 
that you're hunting. And it's tough to do. It's tough to keep up with because every given day is different and there are so many food resources. Um, but it kind of goes right back to the podcast we talked about last week when, when we jumped into the bedding areas and the sole purpose of why we create them. Um, and that great illustration you had there of, you know, if you drop magnets or, or BBs on a map, on a magnet map, a hot terror magnet map, they all go back to the bedding areas. That, that's yeah. just kind of the hub for day, for daily or daylight activity with deer. And it almost we know like that's going to happen. One of those games where um, it's kind of like, not Etch-A-Sketch, mm-hmm. but like you would put your little pin on it and it was magnet and you'd see like little bitty fibers, metal fibers go to that and you could like draw. Um, Isn't that Etch-A-Sketch? No, Etch-A-Sketch was with the little knobs. This was. I know what you're talking They're yeah. always in the doctor's offices. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. that's kind of like you you drop the, and you the just, magnet oh. or the bedding area and you see kind of the fibers go to it, whatever. It's that's a vacuum. Kind of the, yeah, it really much is. a vacuum. So, but um, of all that, uh, it's also important to look at your food source layout and kind of not getting into the habitat side of the things, but more hunting strategy architecture, if you want to call it that, is really what the topic of discussion is this week of of really how food plots should be laid out and how we're hunting them. Um, I think some of the, before we really start talking about it, um, some of the biggest mistakes that we see made are trying to hunt a food plot in the mornings. A lot of your mornings are spent sitting over a food plot. I think I, I think late season, regardless, a lot of people just feel almost like obligated, like it's late season. I need to be hunting over a food plot. Yeah. That's not always the case. No. And I think you guys have a great story. Um, you and Keith, this morning, were hunting over a, uh, uh, not hunting over, hunting a food plot, but not in the type of way you should during late season morning, you typically think, yeah. You were 200 yards. I would, I would say 250 away from the food plot. Down a slope. Incredible. I, I, I say incredible movement, and people are like, you saw four deer? But let, we're going to have to set the stage. And yes, we saw four deer, and I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Okay, you haven't hunted where we've hunted before. <laughs> this is Prairie Hollow, Douglas County, Missouri. Ozark, um, Missouri. This is one of those things where uh, back up five years – and on this farm, we didn't have a single hit list buck that was four and a half or older. 600 acres, no shooters. Think about that. That 600 acres is a pretty good chunk of ground. And there was not a single shooter. And we were running about 10 cameras on it all over the place. And it was just nothing but dinker bucks. Dinker, dinker, dinker. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> not a shooter. Not a yeah. shooter. Yeah. Well, um, times have changed. And, and that, and then. Um, a few years prior and a few years after that, it was still only one or two. Mm-hmm. There was a year like right after that where there was one shooter and he was a 125 eight-pointer. My yeah. brother missed him the day before gun season, gave him the kiss of death. He bounded over the hill. Next morning, he got shot during Missouri rifle Ooh, season by the neighbor. Yeah. So. Way to go, Chad. Way to go. <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so. Obviously, t- times have changed. Um, and, and to kind of set the stage a little bit, Keith Hammer from Stratton Seed 
was up this weekend. He had come up with um, another employee of Stratton Seed, Taylor, and that was during rifle season. They came up to uh, check out the farm, check out the food plots, and hunt a little bit with us and uh, enjoy their stay then, but really had pretty limited success during that trip. Neither of they didn't kill, did they? Neither of them did. Nope. No. That's when we saw Big Show. That's right. That's right. Well, you tell that story because that was from the same Okay. That was from um, the same tree stand. So, same tree stand. And it's it's about 60 yards from a spot that I hunted a lot in college, and we called it the tree. Every, a lot of farms have the tree. Um, and we had one. Well, it was a wide It's funny. Oak. It's like the tree among hundreds of thousands of trees. Yes. But it's, it's special. the tree because <laughs> when we hunted, that was like the spot we always saw deer. Yeah. And it's a unique uh, – it's in a unique area. Have a, there's a draw that comes from the southwest, a real steep draw. Um, and it comes up and it really ends right there by the stand. At the same time, you have a nose off of a, of a ridge that actually has now got a food plot on it. Pretty big little nose. Like it goes, yeah. it goes out a couple hundred yards, um, just a big flat and gently rolling down. A nice broad ridge. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we've got that just to the northwest um, or west. And then over on the other side, you have straight across from that nose, kind of another ridge, high spot on a, just picture a big long ridge, but it's got high spots on it. And so it looks like a, a lot taller um, spine of a ridge, kind of perpendicular with the way this this whole unit runs. It, I I'm think you people, got people all, sorts all of confused. confused. They're Just like, imagine, man, I, it's kind I of no hard idea. to describe. There's two. It, there's, it, it there's a saddle is. with a draw, and uh, here's what we'll do. We'll 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 take we'll zoom into a hunt terror with topo on it and screenshot it for the picture. Yeah. On the podcast, and, and that we'll way you'll dot where the stand is. You'll see all sorts of lines crisscross with topo and saddles and yeah. a food plot, and you're like, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. I remember that. There's the humpback on the spine of the ridge, and the other ridge, and then yeah, those to the yeah. west. I got it. Sure, that's it. And so uh, <laughs> it's it's just a real interesting area, and it's it been notoriously is. good. Yeah. Um, okay, for for limited populations of deer, very small populations, and over the last couple of years with habitat work and. And really not shooting does, just letting the population expand and grow. Um, we've started seeing more deer and more deer. And so anyway, um, right for rifle season, we went and hung a set. And instead of hanging in the tree, we hung back 60 yards because we felt with the creation of the food plot just to the northwest that there was probably more deer in the area and it might be a little more sporadic. Um, the movement through that saddle and drains. So we backed it up to play a little safer, a little more cautious, and really just kind of do our Mr. Wilson impression where we're not in their business. We're just looking over the fence into, into their backyard. And uh, we did that. And Keith and, and, and we had a camera set up, too, yeah. prior to having to stay in there. Yep. And there was a lot of movement on the saddle, both running kind of north and south. And as and east and west, coming utilizing the saddle to cross, but then running the ridge as well. Absolutely. So it was a high traffic area, which allowed us to kind of decipher. Okay, we don't have to be dead center square in the center of that saddle. That's dead two, center that's square, squ- square square of the center. That's what you said, I think. Dead <laughs> center. All, people are all all sorts of confused of our direction <laughs> giving on this podcast. They're like, 
guys, it's yeah. a tree stand close to a make, saddle. Make, yeah. Come on, guys. Make the L's with your fingers. <laughs> yeah. And we're right there, man. Yeah. We're right there. It's it's just a huge intersection. and Beautiful. Yep, there you go. Simple. It's a huge intersection <laughs> that God created with drains and saddles and ridges. <laughs> and uh, Yep. So anyway, Keith and I, we're hunting it. And this is second week of gun season. Second week of yep. gun season. And um, we walk in, and actually as we're walking in, the wind's coming out of the north. That was when I'm like, I swear, Keith, I can smell deer. And we took five more steps, and there was a herd. Or herd. There was four does and fawns. A flock of deer. About 70 yards up there. Um, maybe not even 70. They're up there, and it's like, man, so we kind of hunkered down. dead square in that saddle. Dead square in the center <laughs> of that saddle. I um, know right where you're talking about, yeah. actually. Believe it or not. And so we ended up uh, sitting down, letting them work their way off. And we climbed up in the stand, and we saw a couple of the deer that afternoon. But right at dark, we heard a fox squirrel um, kind of working just to the southwest of us. And Matt knows because you sat in the stand this morning, but just to the southwest, the ridge, that that drain so drops. Steep. It is steep. And – you, you look at it, and you're like, there's no way a deer is going to climb that steep little draw. Um, I saw a deer go down it today. Yeah. Well, I saw a deer come up it when we hunted it, and it was big show, about a 145 or 158-pointer. Yeah. An absolute stud for the Ozark Mountains. And uh, that squirrel was bouncing around, and we looked at it. Okay, identify, that's just a squirrel. And Nothing then we heard it here. again, and it was like, man, that almost sounds different. And we look over there, Keith goes, Adam, 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 there's a deer. And I turn, he's got his face, head right behind a tree, but I could see the antlers on both sides. Instantly, mm-hmm. I knew it was a big show. And uh, first time I'd seen him in person, mm. myself, my brother had seen him before, passed him as two and a half and a three and a half, a three I believe. And, a half, yeah. and uh, we're like, oh, man. And he's doing that nose in the air because the wind was supposed to be northwest and it was northeast. And he smelled us and trotted back and and, uh, trotted off the hill. It was like, man, Keith, you're snake bit. You're just just snake bit right here. And so then you guys hunted there Mm -hmm. this morning. This morning we sure did. But I guess I should share our strategy. During the rut, we've said this so much, hunting bottlenecks and pinches to catch deer cruising looking for receptive does so we hunted a saddle that evening close to a food source thinking well it's a second week some does have likely been bred and they are probably going back to food sources and several scrapes along through that saddle too yeah and so it's like there's there's probably some does going to this food plot and of course we had the cutty cutty link system on it and we knew that that there was deer there at night so surely they're getting there just at dark. Maybe they're passing through the, the tree saddle, as we call it. And so uh, he was passing through. Big show was right at dark. Didn't have a doe, so he was cruising looking for a receptive doe. Um, and then um, basically it's like, okay, that's the strategy. Hunt the saddle to catch a deer cruising looking for a receptive doe. Your guys's fast forward Co- now to muzzleloader season a month later, your strategy was – to hunt in a morning to catch deer coming from the food plot, feeding on acorns back down to bedding areas. And, and it worked out beautifully. And, and to kind of a little bit set the stage a little bit, I guess, I guess more, it is just to the south of that stand 
it is where the logging, the center of the logging operation is really going on right now. And it is the logging deck. Um, the loader, the skidders are right there. Uh, the trucks are moving in and out. And, and that is really 200 yards away from the stand. So I drove up. I parked right there at the logging deck. Yep. Got out, put boots on, everything changed. Walk in, 200 yards to the stand, northwest wind. Well, and honestly, it, it, it more reacts northeast in there yeah. a little bit. It comes it comes north-northeast Because of there. that high spot. Yeah. And so we're walking in, <clears throat> just tiptoeing our way through, and uh, get set up, get in the stand, both settled. I don't know. It's right, right at sunup. And, um, like, Keith, you hear that? And it was just like that definitive deer, not cruising, but just meandering through the timber. Like that, ch, 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 ch. And I get my binos up, and I'm like, there it is right there. Deer, 120 yards out in front of us. But coming, basically working north to south. So came out of the food plot, just like we anticipated, yeah. Working straight to the to the stand, and it's also important to note that there is a uh, a lo- running right along the saddle along the spine of that ridge is a road, and it goes just off to the side of the food plot. Um, but these deer didn't walk the road down; they kind of cut cut the corner of the food plot and are walking now a straight line kind of towards us, just off the center of the road. And anyhow, get binos on them and. I see antlers and a thinner body. And immediately in my head, I'm like, that's Billy. That's a Billy yeah. buck. Yeah. And, and I'm like, holy cow, that, that, that's a, that's a possible shooter right there. And so I'm like tapping Keith, Keith, get ready. Like they're coming. They're working right down this road or they're going to come right down this road. Anyhow, again, they're 120 yards out. I say they. I only thought it was one deer at this time. I only saw one deer, and and because I'm trying to get the GoPro running and the camera on this deer, I'm just focused on the one that I see, and I'm on him. I'm like, Keith, there he is. Keith, that's weird. Like, he's a good deer, but he's kind of – he's thin. It's not not the deer I I thought it was now. Yeah. I get, like, more visual on him, basically. And – I noticed that he's got an injured foot, like a softball-sized swelled-up spot on his back right foot. I'm like, Keith, that deer's injured. And he's kind of like looking at me like, you're cu- what are you talking about? You're, you're crazy. And, and as I'm studying this deer, working in, because I don't recognize it, one, he's injured. I'm trying to determine how injured, get a GoPro running, and film at the same time. Anyhow, he kind of looks at me like, what are you talking about? And and I that that's when I turn to my right a little bit and see a whole nother deer and a bigger body deer just off the road. And he ends up stepping into the road at that point, and he's 80 yards and coming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who is that deer? So I'm thinking bigger body, maybe it's Big Show. I turn the camera to him. Get a closer view of him. No time to put up binos at this point as they're closing in the distance. And it's not Big Show. I don't know who this deer is either. Anyhow, they start coming in. I'm like, Keith, 
you do what you want to do. You've got a free pass on any deer. It don't matter. You shoot whatever you want to. He goes, I, I see, I see that one that's injured. I said, if it's me, I'm shooting, I'm shooting that deer because visually he's emaciated. Like he, he's thin. Like yeah. you can see in his neck and his shoulders. Like he's got that big head, but then it just kind of gets like a pencil neck and, and thin shoulders. And he's not even putting any pressure on that leg. And I'm like, okay, really. I'm good whenever, whenever you want to take the shot, you just let me know. And that deer's close and he's at 80, 60. And like the whole time though, too, it's important to note they're munching on red oak acorns. I mean, just nose down, both of them, just munching, crunching all the way in. And I like that munching and crunching. Munching, crunching. You know, what's interesting about that though, is they came from the food plot. Yeah. And... I mean, let's just assume they've been there before and they didn't just find it last night. We didn't have one picture of them. That t- no. to me, that's like you can't put a lot of uh, a lot of uh, faith into faith into trail cameras. If they're not getting pictures, that doesn't mean they're not there. And, and I think that's super important to note, especially in timber country. In other areas where there's where there's defined bottlenecks, like very defined bottlenecks, where you yeah. really feel like a large percentage of deer travel this route day in and day out, that's a great place to, to get an inventory. But that's not exactly the case in a lot of areas, especially in timber country. So just because you don't see deer on camera doesn't mean that other deer aren't around and you you don't get surprised when deer show up. This was a perfect case. They're at 80 yards. I don't know who these two deer are. One is absolutely three and a half and older. The other deer is... Honestly, has better antlers on him than, than that three and a half and older deer. Um, but he's emaciated, so I have no idea what he is. How old he is, who he is, don't matter. Keith, shoot which one you want. He's, I, I'm going to take the one on the left, which which happened to be the injured buck. Now the deer's at like 50. And it's like, about to happen. Keith Hammer, dropping the hammer. And the battery goes dead. Out of nowhere. Yeah, not really ticks, dead, ticks exhausted. I love the way they phrase yeah. it on that. Yeah, it's like 39%. Because I remember looking at it, and like, if, if anyone else films out there, when you ha- especially when you have deer coming in, you're always like, okay, everything's right. You double check that the red button is beeping unless every five unless seconds. Unless you're Chad. Yeah, unless <laughs> <laughs> That was just rude. <laughs> Oh, man. If you haven't seen that hunt, go check out our latest film yeah. on our YouTube channel. Yep. Um, Land of Legacy. Um, that way you can see what, what the joke is. Yeah, you can be clued in. You'll laugh. It's good. Um, so I'm double-checking that, and I noticed, like, okay, 39%. As, as these deer are coming in, no problem whatsoever. And then, seriously, 45 yards, 40 yards, boom. Screen goes black, battery exhausted. And I'm like... It's not that cold out. It's 32. What the heck? So I turn it off, turn it back on. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, Keith, I don't know what just happened. But when I say go, you need to kill this deer because I don't know what's going on with the battery. I'm thinking you've got five seconds, 10 seconds to pull the trigger, get this thing killed, if you will, kill shot on camera. And I turn it back on. I'm like, kill him, kill him. His gun's in his lap. I'm like, oh, no. Boom. Battery dead again. Ba- or, excuse me, battery exhausted again. And at this point, I'm like, I don't know what the heck the problem is, but I got to f- 
I got to fish out this other battery in the bag. They're, the deer's now at 30 yards. And luckily we have a GoPro that's set up on a limb overlooking Keith. And that's when really that deer kind of comes into frame for the GoPro. And I'm fiddle farting, trying to reach in the bag, get the other battery out. This deer's coming in. He comes to, to honestly 10 yards. And my hand's in the bag. I reach, get the battery in the camera. And that's when it spooks. But the whole time, I don't. I was on the complete opposite side of the tree. You, you've been in the stand. You know, it's like hunter faces one way, cameraman faces the other. When you're and in small trees with no cover, that's the way to do it. Zero cover in the dead square center of a saddle. And it's like you can't move because deer are there. The only thing that moves is your hand in the bag. And then you try and get it up and put the battery in the camera. It was a horrible situation. And I'm trying to communicate to him, Keith, you could kill this deer. Like, the main camera doesn't have to be on it. He's on the GoPro. I don't really care. He's injured. Dude, just shoot this thing. I'm I'm like, Keith, shoot it. Shoot it, Keith. Shoot it. And, but my head's facing the the opposite direction the whole time. And we're, he's got like, it's chilly. So he's got like a stocking cap on. Just couldn't hear. Anyhow. Deer bounds off, couldn't get a shot. The other deer bounds off, couldn't get a shot on him. I get the camera, the battery in the camera turned on, and I see the the non-injured deer on the opposing ridge, and try to get a shot off through through some limbs. And it's like, no, just too thick. It just mm, didn't happen. Mm, mm, mm. But the story doesn't really end there because we waited out, and, and honestly, we thought that okay. Great movement, fantastic. It's seven fifteen, seven twenty in the morning. We bet the rest of the morning in our head of what we've seen on, on the, the cuttybacks um, is a lot of movement between nine and ten. Like eight thirty, ten thirty. Really thought that that was going to be a uh, a great window to see a lot of deer, especially too, because we're not we're hunting the food plot, but we're hunting so far away from it that okay, frost is gonna go, thaw out. Deer come and feed and move back to bedding. <clears throat> we do see that. 9.30, well, 9 o'clock rolls around. Here comes two spikes. They walk out of the food plot, right down the road, the road all the way to the tree stand to 20 yards, just the same way these other two deer did. Veer what off, were they? Two spikes. Oh, well, man. one was a uni, hello unicorn. He had one kind of Dad, broke off. Dad told Keith yesterday that he's been seeing one on camera that he thought would be a good one. <laughs> and he goes, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, he's got one point. One pointer. And he didn't shoot him. He, he passed him up. You he know, it was a lot of restraint at, at 20 yards. But that's the thing, though. Where Did they go left, too? They went left the exact same way these other two did. Off the steep off bank. The, they, yep, they kind of shimmied a little bit and then down off the steep bank. And what I saw, they ended up going dead straight west, kind of around the point. Why not weird. just walk off the end of the food plot? I don't, I don't get, get it. I don't get it, but I don't care because that's what they're doing, and that stand is set up for what we saw today. Absolutely perfect. And it's, again, late season, hunting red oak acorns off a food plot in a transition area in a saddle. Kind of different line of thinking, but if they're if they're doing it, you've got to adapt to it. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the beauty though, and 
Keith and I talked about it is when you have a terrain feature like that and you set up a farm to accentuate, ooh, that's a good word, the terrain features and complement it with bedding and food, you can hunt those terrain features throughout the entire year if you do it right. Oh, yeah. You Early season. Unpressured deer. Early season, you could hunt it because there's white oak acorns in there. Yep. It's a saddle. They're still going to move through there. Rut, 100% you're going to hunt it. Late season, we're proving right now you can hunt it. There's red oak acorns, and then they're still going to move, whether it's in a evening situation or a morning situation, off that food plot, come down the road, take the saddle left or right to their respective bedding areas, and move on about their business. Yeah. But they're going to do it because we're going to put the food plots in the right place, and we're going to put the bedding in the right place to make sure that they utilize these areas that they already want to utilize. You've talked about it in the past. You've you hunted this area for years. They've always moved through there. So they're comfortable doing it. They're already doing it. So let them do it, but make them do be... it even more consistently with the right habitat yeah. in place. And if if C doesn't D, CWD doesn't wipe them out, um, <laughs> they're going to be doing Quite it long Downer. after we're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... <clears throat> It's it's com- I don't want to say it's common sense, but it's common sense to if deer are going to utilize an area and you can hunt it with with the right technique and with the right approach effectively, then don't try and change what they're already doing naturally. Enhance it. Yes. Enhance it, make it even better for you and better for them and make it to where they do it daily. At some point, I'm going to say it on almost every consult we go on. Make a good spot great. And and that goes Sounds with like food plots. It, it is. Make it, a good spot great. It, it could be a food plot. It could be a bottleneck. It could be a bedding area. How can we make a great or a good one even better? And a lot of that comes down to there's a lot of techniques that we can do in that. Edge feathering yep. is a big one. Make a good spot great with open and closed edge feathering. And then we can make the good spot, like that saddle, even better by the way we approach it and only the winds that we hunt it on. It would be awesome to hunt it, to be able to hunt it on a, let's say, a, a southwest wind. But That's going to be a work. next week's podcast. Ought to be good spots great. And we could go through every scenario out there and say, how can you make this one better? In how can you make hour? this one better? <laughs> no, it'll probably have to be a habitat one, an hour long. Probably will be. Because there's a lot of things you can do to make stuff great. Yeah. Um, add it to the list. Add it to the list of podcast topics. That's why we have three of them, because we have a <laughs> endless supply of, of things. I mean... There was multiple things, because this week I actually, that was the first time I'd been hunting since Missouri rifle season. Um, I had and, hunted one time since Missouri rifle season. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, uh, and I haven't missed it, like, because we've been so busy doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, in the future, I'm sure we're going to, when we live closer to the farm, uh, we're going to hunt a lot more, but... Um, not if you keep having kids. Not if I keep having kids. <laughs> Uh, actually, if I keep having kids, I'm going to have to get out of the house because yeah. they're going to outnumber me. I'm already outnumbered. Yeah, but you're, you're done. I'm done, D. You're toast. Um, 
Game over. But to me, like this spot is so great now, and even could be better. We could go and position more betting areas, better betting areas, closer, uh, closer related to that to that little one. One thing that I want to intersection already want to do, whatever is, it's is called, a, a yeah. saddle draw, whatever. <laughs> Just cut a few more trees. Oh yeah, and there's a ton of there's a ton of. Uh, Stump spry and stuff that we can do in that saddle just to slow them down a little bit more. Because there's so many. If you look on the Instagram story from today, well, they're not going to know today. Anyhow, yeah. if you were to have looked today, you could have seen there's double, triple trunk today trees. Today, as all in November 23. Yeah. And December uh, 23. There's just so much stuff you can do to slow slow some deer down and make it thicker, open up a view. I mean, really, what? we could we could rifle hunt from there. And shoot 200 yards straight down that road all the way across the saddle. One say, thing that will happen is next time it. the dozer you. guy gets up there, we're going to expand the road and Ooh. it's going to be straightened up. So oh. we're, I dare it's you gonna, to step across. It's going to be a, a daggum South Texas Sendero. That's right. In the we Ozarks. won't have the corn dribbled out <laughs> no. down it, but <laughs> we'll have stump sprouts and we'll have acorns and yep. deer just piled up. That's right. It's, I mean, it's a heck of a spot. That's the thing I love about it is once you once you find the spot, once you once you have a great location, think about how to make it better, but then but truly study the wind and how it reacts in there. And we had a good like a stiff wind. It was 11, 12 miles an hour this morning. Forecasted north northwest, northeast consistent the whole time. That's okay. But you just got to know how the wind is going to react. And don't ask it to do something it's not going to do in an area. Don't push the envelope. Just take it for what it is and hunt it. Hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking about how to... If all north winds now are northeast in that stand, it's like, ooh, there's a few things we'll have to keep mm-hmm. in mind. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a little bit of closed-edge feathering in some places. Maybe. I know right where to put some. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, that's the way the wind reacts. That's where we're going to have to to manipulate the deer and steer the deer around through there, um, so that we can hunt it effectively. But again, we don't want to change the fact that deer move through there. Take it for what it is, enhance it a little bit, and hunt the tar out of it when the wind's right. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. From and opening I- of season to the end. And that was pretty much a short. 30-minute podcast talking about some of our strategy we're currently using, how we're hunting a food source in the mornings. Um, This is December 23rd. This is going to release Christmas Day. Christmas. So. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas to you guys. To your families. I I will say this. We haven't. I I think we do um, thank everyone for listening, but we don't do it enough. Never could do it enough, really. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Seriously, 2018 has been absolutely incredible. Um, record number of downloads, expanding podcast, and um, the reviews have been awesome, encouraging. So, uh, a lot of consulting lined up yeah. for this spring that's come oh, from people yeah. listening to. Yeah, you yeah. laugh a I lot. Laugh. Oh, man. January, February. We might as well get an RV. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Because we're going to be on the road so much. Yeah. On the yeah. like, t- t- And this is not a, this is a brag situation or anything like that. This is just a, seriously, uh, I guess a representation of how, how cool it is to be able to pr- 
produce the podcast on a weekly basis and, and know that it's reaching people, we're going to, um, for sure, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania a couple times, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. Um, We've had inquires about Minnesota Kansas, and Michigan Iowa. Yeah, for um, this spring. I don't know if we're going to get there. Oh, Oklahoma. Did you just mention that? They okay, inquire. Oklahoma. Yep. Um, gosh, and you all just, over the place. You Virginia, were just in, Maryland. You were just in Missouri oh, last week. Cow. Yeah, I was just in like, central like, Missouri. Consulting. Obviously, we're in Missouri uh, now. Yeah, very busy. That's that's January, February for you. So yeah. we're rocking and rolling. But guys, thank you. Thank you so much for, for listening. And girls, um, it's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's a good wrap. Merry Christmas from Land and Legacy to you. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, remember, Jesus, the reason for the season. I'm going to say a very strong Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. To you. And uh, we'll catch you next week. See y'all.